Well, again, happy Father's Day, uh, and I hope that you have been able to recover from last week's message and the craziness that was last week's message. I appreciate all your positive feedback on that. It definitely um, was a heavy one. If you missed out, um, that's okay. You can go back and rewatch it on our website, or if you download our Infused Church app, you can watch it or listen to it there as well. Now, last week where we ended off uh, was actually at the end uh, of the book of Judges, which is the book that we're pretty much spending our entire time in during this series right in the eye. And it's a period of time that takes place uh, between uh, Joshua, which we're going to look at today, and the kings of Israel. So about 1300 BC to 1000 BC. And then the kings were like Saul or Solomon or King David. You may be familiar with some of those characters. Today, we're actually going to go back to the beginning of the entire story, the entire book of Judges. Uh, And it's best to pick up the story, not actually in the book of Judges, but to pick it up in the book of Joshua. Because this is the transition point where Joshua is about to leave the people. In fact, he's old and frail. He's about to die, in fact. And he is going to jumpstart what becomes known as essentially the modern day version of Israel. And so to leave them in this promised land, he is going to give them some words of advice. He wants to get them all on the same page. And so he gathers all the 12 tribes of Israel. We talked about the 12 tribes last week. So essentially he gathers the entire nation at a place called Shechem. And this is a picture of where essentially modern day Shechem is, uh, except this falls in uh, the uh, state of Israel. Israel right now, or state of Palestine, excuse me, uh, in the occupied state of Palestine. And this is a Palestinian city. uh, And unfortunately, it's a very uh, broken and painful hurting city. And so it's not actually safe to go there. But just know that if you want to go to Shechem, you can go visit the ruins of Shechem. So anyways, Joshua gathers, if you can imagine, there's no buildings there, obviously, and gathers the entire nation and gives them this inspiring talk. And it's an inspiring talk that actually we're kind of familiar with. In fact, I had uh, such a talk um, at one point in my life, in fact, a number of points in my life. Uh, one of the examples that really sticks out to me was when I went to a uh, leadership camp uh, in St. Louis. I was in high school and they had all sorts of incredible people there, Olympic athletes, business leaders, and just really inspiring. And you know, when you go to one of these events, you always end on this really high note. You always end with like new goals. You're going to turn your life around, something like that. Maybe you had a speaker growing up in school that came and just really inspired you that really sticks out or a conference that you went to for your work or dare I say, even going to infuse once in a while, you may leave feeling a little inspired and encouraged to change. I don't want to be too bold, but I hope at least once a year, something sticks with you. Long story short, you walk away from this really life-changing, ready to do the right thing, going to set new goals, all that kind of stuff moment. And then two year, two months later, not two years, two months later, you can't even remember what you walked away with. You know? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it felt good. You kind of remember, oh, that was really cool, but I don't remember a thing that happened during that whole experience. What were my goals again? It's that moment where you leave and then things kind of just go back to normal. And that's the point of the story we're at today. That's where we're going to pick up this story where everything's going so good for the nation of Israel, okay? But then everything from that point is legitimately downhill. And we know it's downhill because we looked at how the story ended last week and it was 
chaos, to say the very least, right? So Joshua is old, about to die, and here is the message he leaves the nation of Israel. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But, he says, but, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then right now stop what you're doing and choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, excuse me, in whose land you are living. So if you're going to turn away from God, do it now. If not, stay faithful to God. And then he hits this really famous verse uh, that you see embroidered on pillows and in the wall decor department at Hobby Lobby. And you know it's important if it's in the wall decor department at Hobby Lobby, don't you? Right? I mean, some of you go to Hobby Lobby because that's like the most Bible reading you get in an entire year. But beside the point, okay, here's the famous verse. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And then the people responded. And I don't know, but to me, I kind of picture them feigning like, like hurt, like pretending that they're hurt. And the production team actually told me that it sounds better if I say it with a Southern accent. So here this goes. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of the parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. Pretty good, right? Thank you. They're not laughing anymore, so maybe it went really badly. I don't know. They're like, wow, I can't believe he did it. They said it was really good. It's their fault. So send them an email, sam at infuse.church. Anyways, okay. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) that really threw me off. All right, anyways, so back on track, all right? So they pretended as if they weren't going to do anything wrong. So then Joshua does this like responsive reading with them, okay? Kind of like if you grew up in church, they do responsive readings, okay? And and so I thought, hey, we should do a responsive reading, even though we're online, should be kind of fun, okay? So how this is going to go is I'm going to read the words of Joshua, and then you're going to respond, and you don't have to read the words that they said. All you need to do is like a little bit of a mm-hmm, amen, okay? With a little attitude if you can get into it, okay? So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read what Joshua says, and you process it. I mean, okay, so even, and, and so, so really listen into what the words are, but just know your part of the bargain is mm-hmm, amen, okay? And then, and, and I really want to encourage you, some of you are like, watch outside because it's beautiful outside, all that kind of stuff. Please, even if you're outside, give me a Great big mm-hmm, amen, because then your neighbors will come up and ask you, what in the world are you doing? And this is a great opportunity for you to invite them to infuse church and tell them that your pastor just needs a lot of affirmation, even though he can't hear you through the camera. But beside the point, okay? So here's how we're going to go. I'm going to read it. Here's Joshua. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If, uh, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end out of you after he has been so good to you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank, wow, this was a good job in the room here. Okay. <clears throat> but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Uh-huh. Amen. Sounds like a herd of cattle in here. Okay. 
Now then, said uh, Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Really sounds like a herd of cows. Anyways, um, yeah, so obviously at this point, he's pretty darn clear, you know? No foreign gods stay faithful. Nobody can really weasel themselves out of this commitment, this covenant that they just made. So then in Joshua 24, which is where we are right now, and Judges, the book of Judges that we've been in, chapter 2, they actually line up together. Timeline is exactly the same. And at this point in the story, he's done talking, and essentially he dies. And he dies both in Joshua chapter 24 and Judges chapter 2. And we're going to start picking it up now in Judges chapter 2. And you will never, never guess what the people of Israel do literally three verses after Joshua dies in the book of Judges. Here it goes. Then the Israelites did evil, shocker, in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They served the pagan gods of those people that were all around them. They forsook the Lord, goes on. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. Essentially, they got home from church camp. They got home from that awesome conference. They got home from infused church and just gave back in to their old ways, serving all the other gods. Why? Well, it's hard, right? It's hard not to just go home and be around the same coworkers, right? And the same friends and the same habits. It's hard not to do something different rather than fall into your existing norm. Because when you look at what everybody else has, all the same people that are around you, looks fun. They're having fun and you want to have fun. And they're buying that really nice thing and I mean, you kind of want to buy that really nice thing. And they're saying those words and you're like, well, I might as well play a part in this whole charade. And so I'm going to say these words too. And I'm going to believe what they believe. And I'm just essentially going to drink the same Kool-Aid that they're drinking. Now, I know none of you watching online would ever do such a thing. But it is easier to fit in than to stand out and to stand up for something better, isn't it? And that's exactly what the tribes of Israel did. Last week, we talked about the 12 tribes. Here's the 12 tribes broken up over the promised land. Uh, Looks a lot like modern day Israel. And you've probably heard the old adage that goes that the victors write the history. And so they made it look better than it actually was. They made it look like they controlled all this land. And many of us were raised in church to think that They were in control. And at some point, sometimes, very few times, they actually held all this land. Really, in reality, and we're going to learn about this in the coming weeks, this is more unrealistic. This is the optimistic version of the map. In reality, they kind of intermingled with all the other peoples in the land. They were often referred to as the Canaanite people. And a Canaanite is kind of a catch-all term for a not-Israelite, a non-part of the tribes of Israel. And it's a really diverse people group. At certain points, they had different kings. Sometimes they were more united under kings, separate. There's history of the Canaanite people all the way back to 3,500 BC, as far north as Turkey. 
So they were a diverse group of people. And so the Israelites are living amongst them and they're brushing shoulders with them. You know, they go to the high V, okay, or whatever, wherever you go get your groceries and they're brushing shoulders. Hey, how you doing? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then you see them again at Starbucks, which is where some of you are right now, um, picking up your coffee and kind of listening to me in your ears. I know how this works, okay? And then, then sooner or later, the Canaanites are like, hey, you know, you Jewish person, you should come to me, come with me to temple, okay? And, and so they're like, oh, you know, you're pretty cool and I like the stuff that you're into, so I'll go to temple with you. And then they go to temple and it's kind of weird at first. They're sacrificing stuff and then it gets really weird and they sacrifice humans and then they sacrifice children and you're like, this is making me uncomfortable. I probably feel like I shouldn't do it, but everybody else is doing it. Therefore, I should do it too because it just looks like a good time. While the God, their God, Yahweh, which is the Hebrew word for God, says, no, you can't do that. But God, all of our friends are doing it. It's just fun. I want to be a part, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. You know, God, after all, I'm free. You know, I can choose my way. And God's like, yeah, but that wasn't exactly the point of the freedom that I've given you. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because we talked about this a little bit last week too. This is kind of, this is kind of the downside of the American dream, isn't it? That we want freedom. We think we deserve that freedom, that fun. You know, we get to do what we want, when we want, where we want, right? We want to go to Vegas and have a really good time because what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, and so God, you know, you can't follow me in Vegas. The rule is stays in Vegas, man. So no watching me in Vegas because I deserve a good time. You know, that kind of approach to life. That is somewhat of the dream our hearts maybe are drawn a little bit to. And the Israelites were drawn to it too. And the Israelites gave into it. And from their giving into it, we can learn today a valuable lesson. That so often what starts as an expression of our freedom quickly can become a king in your life. That it started out fun. And then you couldn't stop having that kind of fun. You know, you can't stop giving in to all those little gods in your life. In fact, those little gods are never satisfied. Those little gods demand more and more of you, more time, more money. You know, you can't, can't stop. You got to keep drinking that, smoking this. If you're bending the rules in one area, why not just bend the rules in another area of life? If you're making money here by maybe some loopholes or some workarounds, why not just do that over here too? And if I'm buying stuff here, my neighbor's buying stuff, I should buy stuff too. And, and if I'm selling stuff and making money, I should keep doing that. And pretty soon, isn't it true that those little kings in your life, those expressions that once started as freedom now control you. You can't stop. You can't stop looking at those websites. You can't stop speaking your political, king, uh, your po- political view on something or, or your agenda because now it's kind of just mastered you. It's so a part of your life. You can't not talk about it. You can't not bring it up. You can't not push it on other people. You get authority and power and you can't stop trying to get more power and authority. You start eating one donut, you know what I'm saying? And it just leads to more donuts. And it's never enough. Now those little kings have ruled you and you're no longer free. 
And maybe it's one big master, you know, as you think about this. Maybe there's just that one big thing in your life you know that just you fight against and you can't stop giving into it sometimes. But I think often it's kind of like these pagan religions. It's not just one big one. Or there may be one big one, but there's also a bunch of other ones. There's oftentimes multiple little gods in your life. Because you're feeling down, right? And so you give in to the God of food for a little while. And then you get bored. And so you give in the God of social media. And then you feel like you don't have enough money and security in your life. So you get more money. Because then that brings you more security. You give in to the God of money. And you're alone. And so you seek out companionship wherever you can find it. However you can find it. From various different people. Whatever it takes. And these little gods start to control not just all of your life, but you begin to bounce back and forth between all of them. And the reason is, the reason for that is because no single created thing will be able to replace the one true creator king. There's never one created thing that's going to be able to add up to fill that part in your heart, in your life that matches your true one creator king. And you know this right? I mean, as soon as Netflix gets a little boring, you move on to Hulu, and once Hulu gets boring, and HBO Max, and then CBS All Access. I don't even know. I mean, you really got to get really bad if you're on CBS All Access. I don't even know what that is, but no one single thing. So all you start doing to kind of get by, to kind of fill those voids, is trading one king for another, one king for another, one right after the other, after the other. You know, I remember, um, I remember when I uh, started that path of, of walking away from God in my life uh, for a couple years during college. <clears throat> and on reflection, it wasn't that I was walking away from God so much as I was walking towards the gods of anger, bitterness, and ultimately of self. I thought to myself that I knew better. It was actually... You know, thinking about it, it's, it's pretty arrogant. I mean, I barely got through calculus and physics. But I figured I had a good enough handle on how the universe worked. And I had a good enough handle to know that this Christian God didn't exist. I hadn't personally read the Bible all the way through or even knew biblical history or archaeological history. But I knew that the Bible wasn't worth my time. Who was king for me in my life at that point? Me. I was king. Well, how well did that work for you, Taylor? Good question. Uh, you guys always ask great questions. Um, it didn't. It finally didn't work. I mean, I got really honest with myself and realized that I was a terrible king for my own life. In my pursuit of freedom, what I want, when I want, with whom I want, you know, I'm going to be in control. I know what's best. I got more lost than you could imagine. I felt like the world around me was just pure chaos and there was nothing really worth, nothing firm enough to put my faith, my trust, my life on. And maybe that's where you are too. You've finally gotten to the point where you're coming to the realization and maybe today is that breakthrough day for you to realize I am not a good king of my life. I've been pretending for so long to be better than I actually am. 
to be more righteous, to be more knowledgeable, to be stronger, to be more secure than honestly I really am. And all I've been doing is filling the voids of my life with all the other gods. And I don't want to scare you, but I want you to know what God does when we trade him for another God. And I think it's a bit frightening. I think we need to pay attention to what God does when we trade him up for something else. God stands back. God takes his hands out of it and says, good luck. The nation of Israel, the author of Judges says, aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baals and Asterisks, which is essentially the female version of, of the Baal, male figure gods. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. God says, hey, you guys want these little kings? Have at it. Have at it. In fact, the author of Judges goes on to say that God turned his hand against the nation of Israel. But I think that's maybe a poor way to understand it is as if God kind of sold them as if he owned them and he sold them into slavery. I don't think that's exactly what they're getting at. I think the author's heart intention of this, because it's not like God was siding with the bad guys or anything or supporting the bad guys. It means more that God was no longer with them because they were no longer with God. That God isn't going to stop you when you go trying to serve other gods. He's going to say, go for it. Give it a try. You do have the freedom to choose. It's the kind of the moment in parenting or when your parents sat you down and said, and you said, here's what I'm going to do, mom or dad. And they just kind of looked at you for a long while. And then they just said, your choice, honey. And you just knew. You just knew, didn't you, in every fiber of your being that they were giving you permission to do something that you would regret and that you needed to be aware. And this is maybe the moment in your life where you need to be aware of the little kings in your life. You need to come to terms with, and get ready for this because this is kind of like a hashtag unpopular opinion, okay? You need to come to terms with the fact that you were created to have a king of your life. You were created to have a king over and in your life to direct you ultimately, to guide you, to rule you. If we walk away from one king, we will find another because we were created to always have a king in our life. If we're bored, we find TV shows. If we feel unhealthy or aren't happy with our figure, we work out to an unhealthy extent. Sometimes even those things that are good can become little kings in our lives. We let them become the primary focus of our hearts and our minds and our lives. Even our kids, yes, our children can even become the thing that we um, idolize in our life. Our ego, or then we'll mix and match it. We'll trade it back and forth to keep ourselves content until... We can't go on any longer until we're ready to make a change because we like to think we're in control. We want to be in control, right? We want what we want when we want it. 
But until, let's be honest, until you can determine your own birth, your own parents, your household, your education, your bosses, your kids' personality, your day-to-day life, which you know that you cannot, you aren't really ultimately in control. Honestly, I don't think you want to be. I think your heart, just as my heart, cries out for our Creator, King. My friends, you need to stop walking away from your Creator, King. Fathers, you need to stop walking away from your Father in Heaven. Ladies, you need to stop walking away from your Father in Heaven because you were created for Him to be a part of it. So here's my question. Who or what is under the crown of your heart? Essentially, your life. You have the freedom to take the crown of your heart, of your life, and place it somewhere. Place it on something, if you wish. Place it on a lot of some things. But the choice is yours. God's not pushing you, forcing you into anything. So where are you going to place the crown of your heart? As you think about that, I want you to think about this question. Why is it easier to say no to God than it is to say no to the other little gods in life? Why is it easier to say no to God, walk away from God, than it is to walk away from all the little gods in our life that we just talked about? Why is it easier to say, hey, God, you know, I I need to find me a man. I need to find me a a woman. So uh, I'm going to start dating. Uh, And it's not exactly a dating that you're going to be proud of, Lord. Uh, So if you could just like tune out for a little bit. And then when we get ready to get married in a few years, you know, let's get back together. You know, then you can start paying attention. You know, Lord, don't watch the next few months of my life. Because Lord, it's just how dating works these days. And so I need to date like that too. Lord, I know you say I'm supposed to give generously, but I got financial struggles, Lord. You know, like I just have racked up so much credit card debt. I can't hold my money. I can only spend my money. So I don't know how I'm ever going to get to the point of giving generously. I know, Lord, you say I'm supposed to redeem and repair my relationships in my life, but they're just mean, you know? And I just, I'd rather just get into the, the whole thing of, you know, you wronged me, and so I'm just, I'm just going to be better than you. I'm going to give ultimately into pride, the God of pride. You know, Lord, I know you say, and Pastor Taylor certainly says that we should be in a small group, you know, and when we physically meet, we should serve and all that good stuff. But Lord, I just don't have a lot of time in my life. You know, I got tournaments and I got uh, work stuff and I got to get my nails done, got my hair done, got to go have some fun going out with the guys. You know, I got all this stuff going on, Lord, and I just, I just don't have time for that. But Lord, honestly, I don't really need to spend that time in that way because ultimately, Lord, whether or not I come to church, I got it figured out. I got it handled. I'm going to be fine. Obviously, I'm fine. Everybody needs the guilty pleasures, God, of life. Everybody needs a little side thing. Everybody has to have this to survive. So, Lord, no. And you say no to God. Why is it easier to do that? To say no to God and say yes to the other little gods of your life. It's because the little kings don't love you. The little kings 
don't forgive you. The little kings are not merciful. They will control you. They will take advantage of you. They will demand more and more from you because they are not compassionate. And isn't it true, it is a whole lot easier to take advantage of those who love you than those who don't. Those who give you freedom than those who don't. And that's why it's easier to turn away from your heavenly father. See, the most freedom, my friends, the most freedom, the most peace you will ever experience is when God is the king of your life. The maximum freedom, the maximum love you can experience in your life is under the ultimate love of your father in heaven. But that's up to you. Will you love? Will you give your life to a God who will, just as he did with the people of Israel, raise up judges and save them out of the hands of these raiders? Or will you give your life to the little kings? I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, think about that. What do you have to lose giving your life to God? What are you afraid of? You're afraid of, let me answer it for you, the little kings. You're afraid that you're going to lose control in your life. You're going to lose the pleasure of life. You're going to lose the wealth of life. And instead, and and you're going to live a much worse off life. But I want you to consider a little secret, a little tip, if you will. The money's still there. Just because your heart, the king of your heart, is your father in heaven, money is still there. It just isn't in control anymore. Your desires, your hopes, your dreams, they're still there. Your desire to be a, a, accepted by people around you, to be uh, uh, appreciated by those around you, that void is now filled by the love of God because he is king in your life. The God of love, grace, truth, and freedom is now king. So, what? What, or who or what is under the crown of your heart, of your life? See, the amazing part of Christianity and the entire book of, of, of God's story is God always took his people back. God wants you back. And I think you know it. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to know the love you have for us. Help us to experience the love you have for us. Help us to recognize that we have given so much of our lives, intentionally or not, to the little kings. Help us to see them for who or what they are, the emotions for what they are, so that we are no longer letting them rule our lives. And it gives us the freedom, the choice then, to choose you. Help us to learn from the nation of Israel and their story of giving into the little kings and instead 
the benefits, the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the freedom, the peace that comes when you are the king of our lives. Lord, help us to take that step. Maybe today is that day where we say no to the little kings and yes to our creator king. No to the little kings and yes to the creator king. Lord, help us in our hearts to pray to you and ask you to change us, to love us, to guide us. Lord, help us, guide us. Be the king that we need, that we were created to have in our lives. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.